really don't have any other announcements. Uh, let's just jump right in. If you have your Bible with you this morning, we're in Hebrews chapter 11, making our way through this great letter of Hebrews. If you need to borrow a Bible, you can raise your hand real high, and the guys will be happy to let you borrow a Bible. If you're watching online, welcome. Good morning from Okinawa. Always a blessing. To... Grateful for modern technology. All right, we're just kind of taking this uh, one bite at a time, uh, these verses. So this morning, we're going to be looking at verse 5 and 6. I entitled our message, Faith Demonstrated, and specifically, Faith Demonstrated in Our Walk. Uh, If you were with us last week, we looked at Abel in verse 4 and talked about how faith demonstrated in our worship or, uh, you know, in uh, in our giving. Uh, But here it's faith demonstrated in our walk. So again, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. If you're there with me, I'd like to invite you to stand with me in honor of God and his word. The writer records for us, he says, By faith, of course that is our theme, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And then the writer quotes, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then here's a commentary, a very important verse, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, we'll pause there and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the blessing that we can gather here. Lord, I'm grateful for everybody that's here this morning and ask that you might bless them. Lord, that you might grant us ears to hear what your spirit would say. Lord, that you'd help us to wake up just a little bit more, that we could receive the fullness of all that you want to reveal. And Lord, we trust that even through what is shared and what we read, that Holy Spirit, there are other things that you will bring to our mind and to our hearts. And Lord, I suppose more than anything else, then when we leave here, help us to walk in obedience. Lord, help us to walk in the light and to walk in love. And we thank you, God, for your spirit that leads us and guides us. We thank you for your word that serves as a lamp and a light to our feet and our path. And so, Lord, we commit our time to you this morning. We pray that you would be magnified and glorified in what we say and how we receive. So we commit our time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Take a moment, say hello to someone, and then you can have a seat. Or maybe you can introduce yourself to somebody new since we're a a happy handful this morning. So the, the other day I'd come into the office and from time to time uh, there'll be people who will sneak into my office and leave a gift or a goodie or something and very grateful for that. Sometimes they do it anonymously. Sometimes there'll be a card. And so the other day I came in and I came into my office and there was a small box on my desk. And, and so I was excited when I, when I saw it. I thought, oh, you know, praise the Lord. Someone so kindly left me a gift. And, 
And, and I just kind of wonder what it would be. You know, so I'm thinking, oh, it's maybe cookies, maybe it's cupcakes, maybe it's coffee, uh, maybe it's keys to a new car, you know. Um, well, when I, when I got there, the box had already been opened, so uh, naturally for me, I thought, oh, my crazy kids, my boys, they already got into it, you know, there's going to be half-eaten stuff in there. And, um, but when I looked in, it wasn't cookies and it wasn't cupcakes, uh, it wasn't keys to a new car, it, it, were, it was cards, it was baseball cards, uh, all in these little plastic containers, and they were just kind of randomly thrown in there, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, someone gave me a, a box of baseball cards, I'm not a... I'm not a baseball card collector, but I thought, all right, I can start. And uh, so I started kind of digging through there, and then uh, I, I saw, like, uh, another note, and I realized, oh, this, this isn't for me. This is for somebody else in the office. And I thought, what a nerd, you know. Anyways, but, but I, I was surprised to see the cards, and then I was like, oh, I didn't know that person, like, still collected cards and traded baseball cards. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I ended up giving the box over to who it belonged to, and uh, it, it so happened, it was interesting, because then soon after that, I came across this article, a news article, about baseball cards, and how this year uh, has been a great year for baseball cards. And if you're in the baseball card world, maybe you already know this, but back in January of this year, a world record was broken. The most money ever paid for one single baseball card was paid back in January, a guy paid $5.2 million for a 1957 Mickey Mantle card. $5.2 million. And so a uh, world record was set back in January. Well, it happened that then this past August, that record was broken. Someone else paid $6.6 million for a Honus Wagner card. You guys know who Honus Wagner is? I don't know who Honus Wagner is. I don't even know who that guy is. But $6.6 million for one baseball card. So I went back to that box and I started digging through to find it. I, it made me curious. I, I actually found out there, there are Japanese baseball cards too. And uh, in fact, they're starting to gain popularity and value. So uh, I've been spending a lot of my time over at Mangasoko in Listen, if there, if there were Bible trading cards of heroes of the faith, the, the individuals that we read about in chapter 11 would be part of a valuable collection. And some of them are better known, like Mickey Mantle, and, and others are lesser known, like Honus, Honus Wagner. Uh, but all of them... God has captured a, a snapshot of the story of their faith. Uh, there's some stats, if you will, that God gives us. Their testimony serves as a source of encouragement and example of faith. And so the writer has captured these things and provided these, these little snippets of, of you know, the testimony of different people. And so today we're going to consider the story of a lesser-known guy. Uh, he is also in the Hall of Faith. He has a, a valuable story. He has an amazing testimony. And, and so this morning, we're going to consider his testimony and what the author's commentary is on it. And of course, for us, then, how does that apply? And how does that work for us as we follow the Lord today? So I draw your attention back to verse 5. We read, By faith, Enoch was taken away. So by faith. 
We begin once again that phrase. We mentioned last week that this chapter mainly consists of Old Testament examples of real people who followed God as best they could. They trusted God as best they could by faith. And some of the examples will narrow in on a particular event recorded for us, again, in the Old Testament. And we noted together that the, the point that the writer is making in the overall, why, why is he bringing these guys up? Why, why is he talking about these men and women? He, he wants to make the point to the original audience that living by faith is not a new concept. That even though they have come out of Judaism and now are following Jesus by faith, to follow the Lord by faith is not something new. It's not a new prescription for these people who have come become Christians. But that it is and has always been how God has wanted His people to follow Him even from the beginning. And you remember that He quotes um, from the Old Testament that the just shall live by faith. And He's making the point that the object then of faith has always been God. The object of our faith has always been, or to be, maybe I should say it that way, to be where we trust God and we trust God at His Word. Right? That we are trusting the promises of God. And the promises of God, it so happens they, they converge or they culminate upon the promise of a Savior, upon Jesus Christ who's promised to come. And so now, we still then follow the Lord by faith as we follow Christ by faith. The Old Testament folks, remember, they looked forward to the fulfillment of God's promise. They looked forward by faith to the Messiah. They trusted God in their life today as they looked forward to the future. Now, likewise, although it's a little different from our perspective, we're still called to live by faith as we trust the Lord, but we look back upon that event of the cross and His birth by faith and yet we're still called to live by faith. And we talked before, I'll just re restate our statement, you know, that it, it's faith then in God that sustains us and sustained us in our yesterdays, our today, and our tomorrows. It's by faith that we're called to follow Jesus in our lives today. Now the question, though, was what does that look like? What does following Jesus by faith look like? And here, these are the examples that the writer provides. They become you know, he defined faith for us. Now he's going to demonstrate that faith. Here are some examples that we can look at, that we can follow. Real people who had real problems, and yet they followed the Lord and they trusted the Lord. And so can we. And so it's Enoch this time. He becomes a, an example for us of, of following the Lord in our everyday life, of, of daily living. Now we read something interesting that says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And then we're told, and he was not found because God had taken him. So the writer quotes from Genesis, his commentary. Now, Enoch is a, a person in the Bible that we don't read so much about. He doesn't have a lot of ink uh, about his life. There's a few short passages about Enoch. One is, well, we first meet him back in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. 
And in Genesis chapter 5, we find out that he is uh, the seventh in generation um, from Adam, that he, he lived a faithful life, and it just gives us a basic description, mostly focusing on just that he was a dad, that he had sons and daughters, and that he lived for you know, 300 plus years, and that for 300 years, he walked with the Lord. Now, we also read about him in the book of Jude, and the book of Jude is just one chapter. There's no chapters, and so technically just chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jude writes how Enoch was a a preacher of righteousness, and that he declared a prophecy of an impending return and judgment. And so in Jude, verse 14 and 15, it gives us some insight as to what Enoch believed and what he declared. But it's in Genesis chapter 5 that we read just this... Actually, let's turn there. We have some time. If your Bibles turn to the first book of the Bible, it's Genesis chapter 5. And we'll, we'll start at verse 21, where we're introduced to him. Enoch lived... 65 years, and then he begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, verse 24, and then it says he was not, for God took him. And that's it. Those are the Verses 21 through 24 give us Enoch's story. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, and especially that generation prior to the flood, and you're like, 365 years, what are we talking about there? Now, I believe that the Bible uh, tells us and reveals to us that that the lifespan of people pre-flood, they lived in a different type of environment where you know, it hadn't rained, and so uh, the, oh, this is not in my notes. Yoko, you ready? So the vapor canopy uh, existed over the world and hadn't rained yet, and so the humidity and the atmospheric pressure was different, and, and so people lived longer back then. And so here you read about 300 and 400 and 500, I mean, even Methuselah, anybody know for a thousand points uh, how long he lived? You can just look down at your Bibles right now, right? Yeah. 969, right? He's the this is the longest. So, all right. Daijobu Yoko, you got it? <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't in my notes. You can turn back to uh, Hebrews. So Genesis 5 tells us that Enoch walked with God. Now, the, the scriptures have different word pictures that it uses to describe our relationship with God and, and how we, we are called to live our Christian life or just even how we live our Christian life. And there's a lot of different ones, and they're all appropriate. Describe really a dynamic of our Christian life. One, one of the terms that's used is it's described like a battle. Right? We are in a spiritual battlefield. Right? We have, we're fighting against spiritual enemies. It's, uh, Paul uses this image describing to Timothy how we are like good soldiers. No offense to Marines or airmen or uh, sailors, uh, but we're you know, we're like soldiers. We're called to be good soldiers, and we fight this good 
warfare, in this good fight of the faith. Our, our walk is described, our Christian life is described sometimes in agricultural terms, both as we as a farmer to be patient and to till the ground of our life, and also describing even, you know, describing us like a, a plant, that we are called to be the the, the branches, and Jesus is the true vine, and we're called to abide in him, and if we do, that will bear much fruit in our life. And sometimes the Lord prunes us and you know, cares for us in that way. And so our life is described, our Christian life is described like farming. Sometimes it's described in athletic terms. Uh, the writer Hebrews will use the imagery of running a race, like a marathon, and so sometimes it's described like that. We're, we're, we're running to win a prize, Sometimes it's described like wrestling. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Those, those imageries are mixed together, spiritual battle and athletics. And how we run to, you know, some win an earthly crown, but we run uh, for a, an imperishable crown. And so there's all these uh, great descriptors that describe our, our Christian life, and, and one that's used often is a walk. That our Christian life is described as our Christian walk, and Sometimes people might ask you, how's your walk with the Lord going? You know, lately I've been trying to be better at taking walks. And uh, I have the blessing that right across our, um, where we live in our apartment, there's a small park there. And, uh, and so I've been trying to go out in the morning if I can or evenings and, and just take a walk around the park. My, my, my wife Christy doesn't like to go with me because she says the route that I take is too boring for her. Because for me, I, I usually just walk around the park just, you know, multiple times in a big circle. And she, you know, she's a girl of adventure. She wants to go journey somewhere and see things. And, and so for me, it's just, you know, I'm going in a loop round and round and round. You know, the Bible uses a variety of these word pictures to describe our Christian faith. And again, as I mentioned, some of them are exciting. You know, spiritual warfare a race, sowing and reaping. And all of those descriptors, while they're exciting, but they also um, they, they speak to something. You know, they, they speak to patience. They, they speak to perseverance. They, they speak to partnerships. And, and so it can be exciting. It can be invigorating. I mean, the Christian life can also be exhausting. But also, I think there's an element where as it's described as a walk, it also speaks to routine. It can speak to mundane. It can speak to, well, seemingly boring at times. It can speak to the idea of, well, it's just Groundhog's Day. It's just round and round we go. Like the dishes, they're always there. Like laundry, it's always there. Like work on Monday morning, it's just always there. We're just you know, kind of living this cyclic life. When we read about Enoch's life and the commentary that we read about his life, we wouldn't necessarily say, wow, that's really exciting. Like, let's do a whole Bible series on the life of Enoch. Like, what would that flannel graph look like? What would the, what would the movie look like? What would the play of Enoch's life look like? He, he didn't slay any giant with a sling and a stone. There is no fiery chariot from heaven that comes down that he steps into and takes him away. There's no miracles. There's no raising of the dead. There's no amazing stories. There's no like, wow, look at that, look what he did. 
when we read about Enoch's life, it is seemingly boring. It's just a commentary that he walked with God for 300 years. It's a steadfast, constant life. We read that he raised a family. He had sons and he had daughters. He started seemingly, right, just in proportion of his life, we'd say, oh, a little bit later at 65. And then we read that one day he was, and then one day he wasn't. That he himself didn't do anything spectacular or miraculous, but something of a miracle happened to him. Not what he did, but what happened to him. We read that God took him. And the implication is that he didn't physically die. Like everybody else who would live and have a long, full life, and yet they would die in their physical body. And yet for Enoch, we read that he didn't die. The implication is that one day he gets up, and then all of a sudden he's just gone. That for him, he, he got to, if you will, bypass physical death and move directly into the presence of the Lord. Now, the Bible says that all of that's marked by faith. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. Now, what's interesting to me is the phrasing of that. What happened by faith? Was it that somehow he knew that he was going to one day get this special ticket that allowed him to skip dying? That he knew that, and so he's just waiting for that day that, you know what's going to happen, and I, I'm not going to die. You know, there's some people and scientists in the world today that are seriously interested in learning how to skip death, learning how to delay death, learning how to bypass, looking at the genetics, and is there a way to do something that can make us live longer or end or forever? And so the cosmetic industry, the, the health industry, right? it's a multi-billion dollar industry with the aim of trying to develop or find or make products that will slow our aging process. You know, there are places where you can have your body cryogenically frozen in these tubes to preserve your body with the hope that someday in the future, there will be a technology that will exist that can then thaw out your dead body and reanimate you, and then you can come back to life. And I found out that the low end is $28,000, up to $200,000. That's quite the spread, right? I, I wonder what the difference is. Like, you're just kind of put in somebody's backyard. <laughs> like, what, what does $28,000 buy you cryogenically versus $200,000? Yeah. Either way, you're just a human popsicle in a tube. I, I don't think that by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death means that Enoch was looking for the, the day that he was all of a sudden going to bypass death. That every day he wakes up and he thinks, okay, this is the day, here I go, I'm going to wait for my ticket to be redeemed. 
But, but rather, the, the totality of that statement is that, that it means that every day that Enoch got up, he just trusted the Lord by faith with his life and with his passing, whatever that would entail. And when we read about Enoch is that his life wasn't characterized by highlight reels of great acts or feats. Again, we wouldn't say his life was flashy. He just lived faithfully. We wouldn't say his life was extravagant. We would say it was ordinary. We wouldn't say his life was showy, but it was steady. It was by faith. And we read, very importantly, that he pleased the Lord. King, I'm, I'm convicted, I'm challenged, I've been encouraged. I think Enoch's testimony reminds us that God isn't necessarily looking for and or God isn't necessarily impressed by the extraordinary things that we do. The giant acts of faith or the giant feats that we do. But rather that God is wanting us to trust Him with our daily life. That every day that we get up, that we entrust our day and whatever happens in our day to the Lord. That every day that we'll live by faith. And tomorrow when we get up, whatever the day may hold, that we're going to live tomorrow by faith and the next day. That Enoch's testimony reminds us that we can cultivate and we should cultivate a daily walk, a daily relationship where we're walking with the Lord, we're in communion with the Lord, and we're living by faith. And guess what? Some days it's going to be boring. Some days it's going to just be the grind, routine. You have nothing to post on your social media. Maybe a pile of laundry or dirty dishes. You know, we... We are living in a world that increasingly, where we're watching other people, right, and they post all the, well, we do it too, right, all of our highlights, all of the good things. It's a filtered life that we're watching. And what happens, if you're like me, what happens is, well, we begin to compare our lives to other people's lives, right? At least they're, they're, social media life, the highlight reels, the picture that took, you know, five to 50 times to take, that's all set up, right, with the coffee and the Bible and these things and the lighting, and, and sometimes we look at that, and I don't know if it happens to you, but I, I, I can feel like, oh, my life's so boring. I get down or I get depressed. And we make the mistake to think that other people live like that all the time. That their makeup is always great. That they're always at the gym working out. Or they're always on the beach. Or they're always at some fancy dinner and their food's always gourmet. Like what, they don't own a microwave? 
Like every day seems to be like they're on some kind of holiday adventure. Zip lining, you know, doing these things. And... But yet we, in the back of our mind, we know that's not reality. I mean, we tend to, uh, at least I'll speak for me, I tend to do the same thing. I want to post, you know, better pictures. And sometimes when I don't, even my kids are like, why'd you post that picture? <laughs> and yet what happens? We still allow our emotions to sway. It still influences our pursuits. We still allow it to affect our day. We get all bummed out. We get all jealous. And yet, if Enoch was here, he'd stand up and he'd say, Ah, I I just live my life every day faithfully. Every day that I got up for 365 plus years. And I just said, Lord, here's my day. Do what you want with it. And he lived his life, he raised a family, and he just did what God called him to do. And, and, we, and the implication is he did so faithfully, and he did so consistently, and he did so steadily. We can infer as well, he's not a perfect person, he probably had bad days, he fell into sin, he had to get up and confess to the Lord like we all do. You know, 365 years, you know, for us, I think it's just a reminder, 365 days, like we, every day we can get up and we just follow the Lord. It's not flashy, it's not exciting, but can you live, can we live a a life of faith just in our daily grind? The answer is yes, that God wants us to. It may not be exciting all the times. It may not be a post that goes viral. But really, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us just to pause for a moment and ask the question, then, okay, what, what are we living for then? Are we living for the temporary approval of men? Are we living for those things, likes and follows and shares? And are we living for man's applause and recognition for the extra ribbon for the next rank? Or can we say that we're living to please the Lord? We're just steadfast and and every day we get up and whatever our day holds, we're going to say, Lord, we're going to live by faith and we just, his testimony was he wants to please God and he did. Last week sometime, I can't remember the exact day, but from our apartment, um, we, all of a sudden, we started hearing kind of these booms, booms, and we looked out the window, and there was this amazing firework display over on the uh, eastern side of the island near Comprehensive Park. And so we could see it from our place. It was a little out in the distance, but it was a clear night. If some of you guys saw it, you know, it was, it was really pretty. It's probably the, one of the best fireworks shows I think I've, I've ever seen or we've seen in a very long time. And it lasted long, like 10 minutes plus. And so me and Chrissy were just standing there watching, and, uh, you know, it was really pretty. And, uh, and it wasn't just regular, you know, kind of the sparklies. And it was big, it was loud, it was colorful. It was a, it was a, it was a pretty spectacular show. I wish, you know, we could have been a little closer, because I imagine if you were nearby, it would have been amazing to see. So 10 plus minutes, and as quickly as it started, it was gone. There was a little bit of the smoke, you know, kind of the fireworks smoke and haze, 
it faded away, and then the show was over. And then we went back to, I don't know, eating our yogurt, whatever we were doing that night. This past week, I, I was in a place called Okutama. And it's located um, east of Tokyo. It's kind of out in the mountains. It's a really, a really pretty place. And so I wanted to be faithful to do my walks. So I, on the evenings, I went out for a walk. And, um, and because it's in the mountains, there's not a lot of light pollution. And so I found myself walking down the road a bit and trying to get away from some of the lights. And, and, and one of the evenings, it was a pretty clear night. And it was really pretty. And, and so I just stood there for a bit and looked up. And you could see you know, just the stars in the sky. I mean, all of the major ones that make up the constellations, but even all the smaller ones. You, you've been in a place where there's not, you know, there's not light pollution. You look up the night sky, and, and it's just, you know, it's almost like in a movie, like, you know, just incredible. It's so beautiful, and just, you know, all of the stars filling the sky. The Bible proclaims how the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, some people think in order to make an impact in this life or to impress others, and even for God, that as though we have to live our life in faith to God is that we have to be like the fireworks, loud and showy and sparkly, grab people's attention. Now, God uses those kind of things from time to time, and God will do amazing things in our life from time to time, and, and I think following the Lord is exciting, but not always. But God doesn't want us to be like the fireworks. Loud bang, a lot of noise, bright light, and then we're gone. But rather, God wants us to be like the stars. That, that we live in such a way that we shine as lights in this world that are just constant, consistent. Not showy, not flashy, and certainly not flashy that fades. But just faithfully following, steadily following, consistently and constantly following. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, that we're to make it our aim to please the Lord. And again, we'll get there soon. That, that's the testimony that Enoch had, that he lived, God took him, all of a sudden he was and he wasn't, and then God took him away, and then it says, but he had this testimony that he pleased the Lord. And so we're called then to make it our aim to please the Lord. And then 1 Thessalonians 4.11 also says, make it our aim to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to earn your own living. Enoch's testimony is that, is that your life and mine can be as plain as vanilla and still be a life of faith and still be pleasing to the Lord and still be fulfilling for you that every day we can enjoy our walk with the Lord, trusting God, raising a family, paying the bills, going to work, coming to church, walking in circles at a park, 
folding the laundry, decorating for the holidays, putting on a uniform. Right? We, we already know we do all of that to the glory of God, but also, guess what? We get to do that as a walk of faith with the Lord and trusting God with our day and whatever that day may unfold. Now, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Three times that word taken is mentioned. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. Now, some people believe that Enoch was taken by God as a prophetic picture of what's called the rapture. Where before judgment fell on earth in Noah's day, that God took Enoch away. And if you look at the lifespan of the people that were around him, his own dad and his own son, it's relatively shorter than the rest. Again, that he didn't die, he didn't die a physical death, but nonetheless he didn't remain physically on earth, that he somehow was just removed. He was and he wasn't. He was there one day and then the next day he's gone. Again, I I believe that God wants us to live by faith. Every day trusting God with our day. And, And I had this caveat, in anticipation, with expectation of the return of Christ. That we're to live by faith trusting Jesus will come back and one day call us home. Now the Lord promises to return. And we have the rest of Scripture that as we look forward, we know, right, there's promises that have yet to be fulfilled where Christ is going to come back. He came back the first time. That's why we're celebrating Christmas in a few weeks here. The first Advent, but there's going to be a second Advent where the Lord returns to planet Earth. And judgment's going to be poured out on a Christ-rejecting, sinful world. And there are some who believe that before that day of wrath, before the the great tribulation that the Bible talks about, that God then is going to remove those, the church, who trust in the Lord, who live by faith. Now, as an aside, and we won't get into it this morning, I, I do believe that. But whether you agree with that point or not, of when Christ comes back, I think as Christians we all agree that Christ is coming back. I think we can all agree that we're to live by faith in anticipation of His return. And really the main point is this. We are called to trust God with our daily walk. Not just the big decisions. Not just the major crossroads that we come to. What am I going to do after this current career? What am I going to do with my kids as they enter the next grade level? What am I going to do with this next job? Oh, we can pray and we should, and we trust the Lord by faith in those things, and we should, but what about when your day is just a regular day? You get up and you make breakfast, and you got to go to the grocery store, and rent's due. Or you got to pay your student loan, or you got to change some diapers. 
we can trust the Lord in those things too. Walk by faith in the everyday. And, and Enoch's testimony is that. Every day for 300 plus years of his life, he pleased the Lord. And I don't know about you, but that is a testimony. That is a testimony that challenges me, that convicts me. And so it's a question for us too. Do we live our lives every day with the idea of like, Lord, how can I please you? Asking that question, Lord, or even with the intention, Lord, I want to please you today. How can I please you today? Is that even a consideration for you? We're challenged by this. I think the idea is that we're, we should be asking ourselves this question. Lord, does this please you? That where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do, my actions or even my reactions, something happened and how I'm going to respond to that? Lord, does my response please you? Would this honor you, Lord? I'm upset by this. I'm disappointed in this. I'm angered by this. Is my response pleasing to you, Lord? The attitude that I'm carrying today? The posture of my heart? The meditations of my mind and the words on my mouth, are they pleasing to you, Lord? How about our decisions? Your private decisions? Your public decisions? What you watch or what you click onto? The things that you entertain yourself with? Are, are we pleasing the Lord? The words to my wife and my family, and the words to others? Lord, does this please you? It's a good question for us. Can be encouraged today to know that e even in your daily routines of life, you and I, we can live by faith. And we should be seeking to please the Lord. And so we have the commentary on Enoch. He's taken away. He was and he wasn't. God decided that. But what did Enoch have control over? We had control over how he lived his life. Like we, we may not have control as to what happens to us, but we certainly have control over how we respond to it. And what we choose to do today to please the Lord. He had this testimony that he pleased God. And then we're told, here's the commentary on it, but without it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he or she who comes to God must believe that God is. And guess what? What's God's response? God's a rewarder. He's a blesser of those who would diligently come to Him, who diligently seek Him. Now notice this verse does not say that it's hard to please God or that you'll get a 70% success rate. It's very emphatic. It says it's impossible to please God and the, the conditionality without faith. Faith is an essential ingredient in the equation. Without it, we, there's no way, there's no avenue that we're going to be able to please the Lord. Faith has to be a part of it. 
when we worship, when we obey, when we do. Remember the writer gave us this incredible testimony before of how the children of Israel followed God and followed Moses, saw what he did, heard what he did. Remember his commentary? He said, but they didn't get to enter the promised land because they didn't mix that with faith. Faith was missing. It is then for us to believe and to live by God's word even when it seems counterintuitive, even when it's absolutely countercultural. And as Proverbs reminds us to not lean upon our own understanding, but in all of our ways to acknowledge the Lord and God will make our path straight. I pray, I pray, I pray for my own heart first, but I pray that it's a consideration that we have that we would want to please the Lord. I, I would hope that if you name the name of Jesus Christ this morning, that that's part of what you desire to do, that you would say, Lord, I want to live a life that pleases you. I want my actions to be pleasing to you, to honor you. And if that is the case here, King, look, it, it tells us how we're to do that. To trust him and trust his word. I would venture to say that, that many of us, if not most of us, we don't like to be second-guessed or questioned in those things that we are assured of or that we would tell someone, no, I, I know this thing. This is a certainty in my life. And then when someone challenges that or they question that, that's something that would bother you or that would make you upset or you'd want to defend. There's those times in my life where I, I feel like I'm, I'm certain of something and then when someone challenges me, like I, I, you know, I, I can get a little defensive, I can get a little argumentative. If I'm not 100% and they ask, well, are you sure about that? I'm like, ah, maybe it could be, maybe it is this way, maybe it's that way, maybe it is this thing, I'm not sure. And, and so I'm, I'm okay if I'm not 100%. But if it's something in my life where I'm, I'm certain of, it's a fact, it's a decision I've made, it's a direction I'm going, it's somewhere I, you know, I, I, I'm sure of, and, and someone then questions that, again, I can get a little irritated. Usually it comes just from my own family and my, my boys. And I'll just tell them, listen, I know where I'm going. I know most times I don't, but I know how to get to Blue Seal, you know, or I got it memorized. I got it tattooed right here, you know. I tell them, listen, it's going to be okay. And I'll usually use this phrase, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. I know how to get there. And so it blesses me then when my family or others are like, okay, yeah, we trust you. Or, we believe you know what's up. That honors me. I'm blessed by that. Yet, how often do we, do we second-guess God? All of a sudden, your life or something happens, and we begin to be like, Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? Are you sure that this is where you have called me to be? Right, we, we can easily begin to question the goodness of God, or the direction of God, or the purposes of God. 
sometimes we do that not in terms of how we question the Lord, but we just do it in our actions. That instead of going to God in prayer or opening His Word for wisdom or counsel that we need, we're, we're just simply searching Google or reading about it on a blog or asking friends. And, and all the while, we haven't prayed about it. We haven't opened Scripture. We haven't asked the godly mentor, hey, what... I'm considering these things. What do you think the Lord would think about it? It's another form of second-guessing God. Or maybe we already know what God's Word says about it, but yet we, we still don't do it. And sometimes there's this tendency in us to go and try to validate, right? We're looking for uh, confirmation bias. To validate, I already want to do this. I know that that's probably not what God wants me to do. So let me go find people that will say, ah, it's okay, you can do that. There is grace. So I would say to you that if an act of faith pleases God, and without it we can't please the Lord, then the converse, I believe, is also true. Then a lack of faith. If an act of faith pleases the Lord, then a lack of faith would displease the Lord. And when that happens, if God is a blesser for those who approach Him by faith and God pleased by our act of faith and God responds and blesses us, then again, I would submit to you the converse is also true. Then if we, if we don't have faith, we don't please the Lord, and what happens, we often then suffer the loss of blessing. We forfeit that, what God wants to give to you. See, faith essentially is our demonstration of saying to God, you are God and I am not. You know what's going on and I don't. I am weak. I don't have the resource. I don't have the full picture. I don't have the full understanding. I don't know uh, what's going to happen to me after this particular assignment or this particular season, but God, you do. And I am weak and you're strong. And I'm limited in my knowledge, and you know everything. And we trust the Lord. And God is pleased then when we trust Him. When we come to Him upon, with full reliance upon Him. Okay, let me just phrase it in a question. When was the last time that you came up to the Lord? And, and let me qualify you, ready? With full reliance upon the Lord. the rest of that verse says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so note with me, there are two parts to this statement. First, that God is a rewarder. Now, I don't know when you think about God if you typically think of God in that way. As one who rewards us. But understand this, church family, God wants to bless you God wants to bless you. God wants to bless, if you're married, God wants to bless your marriage. If anybody is for your marriage, understand that God is for your marriage. God wants to bless your family. You may be having hard times and challenges, but understand God wants to bless your family. If you're single in this season, and there's things that you're, you know, struggling with as well. Understand God wants to bless your season of singleness. 
that God wants good things for you? God wants good things for your career, for your schooling? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that our eye hasn't seen and our ear hasn't heard, that, that we haven't even thought of, it hasn't even entered into your heart all that God has prepared for you, all that God wants to bless you for those who love the Lord, for those who know God. And so part of this trusting God by faith includes then the idea that we're then to trust God's blessings, we're to look for them, anticipate them. To count our blessings. So the first part of this is that God is a rewarder. The second part of this is, is part of its conditionality. The blessing is promised for those who are diligently seeking the Lord. Now please understand, God blesses us regardless of what we do. That's the nature of God. That's the character of God. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. He loves us. And even when we blow it, even when we're faithless, God's still faithful. Grace is the great trump card that transcends all of our stupidity. And even when we're, we're, we mess up, God's still good. In fact, God's grace and goodness abounds on this world, even though you know, it's dark and evil, and, and, and even though don't, people don't realize it and they reject the Lord, the fact that it's raining today. You know, the Bible says that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So sometimes people call that God's common grace, grace to all of us. It's a blessing for all of us. However, verse 6 tells us very specifically there is a blessing, a reward promised to those who diligently seek after the Lord. It's reserved for those who intentionally and purposely seek God. So again, it's a question. Are we doing that? Are we purposely seeking the Lord? Are we diligently seeking after the Lord? See, there's a great joy, there's a great contentment, there's a great fulfillment that can be found. And God's math is crazy, right? In this sense that God doesn't just add, He multiplies. Exponentially. And so when we increasingly trust the Lord in the arenas of our life, God increasingly blesses us. Now, this can be hard for some of us. Because if you are like me, to trust the Lord means then we have to let go of control of a situation. Or stop playing the mental chess game. Or stop making all of the plans. We have to forfeit some of that, or at least the perceived control. Now, I like control. <laughs> I like being in control. I like, what's go I like to know what's going on and even, uh, you know, not only like to know what's going on, but I like to dictate what's going on. I like to decide what's going on. I like to have a voice in that. 
And even if I don't have the remote control TV at my house when we're watching things, if my kids do, then I'll just tell them, change the channel or turn it up or turn on the subtitles for me. That's my new thing now. <laughs> so even if I don't have the remote control, I still have control of the person who has it. And so the idea then to seek the Lord implies the idea of trusting God with control. And that includes entrusting God with the process and the outcome. Both parts. Trusting God with the process and the outcome. Because the Bible reminds us, right, because God's ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher than our ways. His processes are not necessarily the ones that we would have chosen for ourselves. And yet, God's ways are always best. Will we agree with that? He knows exactly what He's doing, and He knows why He's doing it, and He knows what He's doing. And the Bible reminds us that not only is, are His ways not our ways, they're higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but the prophet Jeremiah reminds us that His plans and His purposes for us are good. We can trust the the intentionality of God, the purposes of God, even if we don't understand what the process is or how the process is going to be or what the outcome is going to be, God promises that His ways and His purposes will always be our, for our good to give us a future and a hope. And so again, Enoch stands before us to say, listen, your life can be as plain as vanilla and still please God. It may not be flashy and exciting and be something, oh, you're posting and, you know, where everyone's like, wow, look at that. It can be seemingly boring and yet at the same time, it can still be fulfilling and a life of contentment. And so purpose, as we purpose to please the Lord and walk by faith every single day, however many days that may be, trusting that God, you know, with the process and the outcome, and to know that God is a God who wants to bless you. And, and the idea is that it will be a bigger blessing that you can even imagine or create for yourself. I've been sharing with you guys this year is our 20th year of ministry and, and we are trusting the Lord by faith. From day one, it's been a, a walk of faith, a trust of faith. Twelve years ago, when we moved into this building, it was an act of faith. We, well, we had to move from our old building because our old place was sold and so we were homeless for a season. And it was a very challenging season. And I was really worried. I was like, man, Lord, there's a lot of people that I'm responsible for. Like, where are we going to go? And we have these families, Lord. I want to just meet outside. That's not good. They can maybe pull that off in Hawaii or Southern Cal, but we can't do that in, here in Okinawa. And so we didn't know where we're going to go. And then this building opened up. And so by faith, we're like, all right. It was bigger than we thought maybe we needed. It was much taller than we thought we could handle. Like, like I don't know if people want to climb up three flights of stairs. 
I didn't want to climb up three. I still don't want to climb up three flights of stairs. My weekly PT for me. And initially it was just a rental. And there was a beauty school that used to meet in here. And if you were here back in those days, if you remember, some of you, they were still using the building. And so you'd walk in and they would practice on these heads. It was just heads with hair. And some of the classrooms just had heads. And so spooky when you walked in, you're like, there's our children's ministry, all these heads, you know. All the kids were really well behaved back then, though, you know. And then all of a sudden, the owners are like, oh, we're going to close the beauty school. We would like to sell you the building. And the price tag was like, no way, Jose. And yet the Lord's like, no, this is the place I've called you to. I would have not chosen this for myself. I would not have chosen this for us. And yet God led us here, and God blessed us in greater ways than we have imagined. Because we just wanted to be obedient to the Lord as he opened the door and we stepped forward. And day by day, just trusting the Lord. Listen, is there something happening in your life right now, and you've been trying to just take control of it? that you've been trying to force things your way and and for whatever reason just doesn't seem to have been working out? Or you're trying to be the determiner of the the outcome, manipulating the process with, you know, hopefully that you can determine the outcome? Maybe, perhaps the Lord would have you to entrust the process and the results to Him. to redirect all of that energy that you've been investing in, pushing, and, and trying to uh, you know, create something, and just and take that energy invested in prayer. Of seeking the Lord diligently. Because maybe the result is going to be better than you can engineer yourself. That there is a blessing that God has for you greater than one that you can construct. And so Enoch reminds us of this. And verse 6 is the commentary of that. Faith in God, it's a sustaining thing. It sustained us yesterday, today, it'll sustain us tomorrow. And it may not be exciting things, it may just be mundane things, but God wants us to walk with Him every day. And we can trust Him every day, with the aim of, Lord, how can I please you today? The words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, my actions and my reactions, Lord, how can I please you? And to know that when we do that, listen, God wants to bless you. God wants to work in your marriage, in your family, in your season of singleness. God wants to work in your career. And we can look then for his blessings. We can by faith even anticipate and expect then those blessings. As we trust the Lord with the process and with the outcome. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for the testimony of Enoch. For 365 years plus, he walked with you. And and, and his testimony was he pleased you. Lord, What a great testimony. God, I I pray for all of us. May that be our testimony. Wherever you take us, whatever it may look like, 
Lord, may, may we just be content to know that every day we walked with you, every day, Lord, we want to walk with you, and Lord, that every day we would want to please you. Because without faith, we can't. And so, Lord, I pray if there are things in our life that perhaps we have been trying to manipulate on our own, that we have been trying to force, that we have been trying to engineer, and it's been absence of faith, it's just been walking by sight, Lord, that we would today repent from that. Whatever it may be, God, uh, our, our future spouse, uh, a future family, a, a future assignment. Lord, may we, may we trust you by faith. Not that we would be lazy. We certainly want to walk with you and do what you call us to do. But Lord, not that we would take control. Not that we would walk ahead of you. But Lord, that we would seek you. And when we do, we trust then, Lord, the results to you. That they'll be better than we could have even created for ourselves, because that's the type of God you are. You are good. You promise to give us a future and a hope. And so, Lord, may we trust you with today and tomorrow and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, gang.